Hey guys, this is Billy Hansen, and welcome to the Lynchburg Neighborhood Podcast. This is a podcast about the Lynchburg area, its people, and its history. I found that the more I get to know my neighbors, really get to know their stories, and the more I understand the history and the backstory and how things work here in Lynchburg, the more connected I feel to this place, and the richer my life becomes. So join me in exploring the Lynchburg neighborhood. Today is June 26th, 2020, and it's great to be alive and living in Lynchburg, Virginia. Exactly one week ago, the city of Lynchburg passed a resolution to make June 19th a paid holiday for the first time in our city's history. This Juneteenth holiday dates back to June 19th, 1865 which marks the day when troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, to make sure that enslaved peoples who had been freed by the Emancipation Proclamation two and a half years before were actually living as a freed people. This Juneteenth holiday has been celebrated by African Americans for a long time, and now the city of Lynchburg honors that day too. So, on Juneteenth of 2020, I got to spend three hours with a man by the name of Aubrey Barber. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because you heard it on episode 19 with John Abel as he talked about Mr. Barber's community garden on Tinbridge Hill. Here's what John had to say. I know for a, a number of years I would uh, volunteer over at another garden, uh, the, the big one over there near uh, uh, Tinbridge Hill that uh, Aubrey Barber uh, kind of single-handedly uh, runs. Um, that's like a, nearly an acre He's kind of on his own. He's the, he's the biggest-hearted guy in town that I know. He gives away tons of food. So after that description, I was like, I really want to meet this man. So John made an introduction between us. I called Mr. Barber, and he said, meet me at the garden in the morning. Here's my conversation with Aubrey Barber as we sat outside on Tinbridge Hill. Okay, first of all, my name is Aubrey Lee Barber Sr., known as Chubb. <laughs> okay, I was born and raised in, this, in the Timberch Hill area yeah. in 1930. I was born in 1938, and, um, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. And uh, so um, I uh, was the um, supervisor of the uh, Yoda Center for 42 years. Yeah. And you know, out of the 42 years, um, I think we've had uh, produced teachers, musicians, and also um, I think it was approximately around about 11 or 12 uh, young men and women has, um, has retired from the military that came up through the, the center under me. Uh, we had one young man that, um, I don't know, some of you may be familiar with his name, Carl Anderson, hmm. and uh, he, um, had a leading role in um, in Jesus Christ Superstar, and yeah. uh, he came up through the area, and also um, we uh, were members of a, a band called the Twisters. Yeah. In later years, I um, went with a band called the Rock and Rhythms. Yeah. In later years, I became the manager of that band, oh. and from that band, uh, I think one or two of them is doctors now. 
What type of music did y'all play? You used to play rock music. Rock music? What yeah, was your... We played we play a little bit of anything because, you know, what we used to do, we used to play around um, at different colleges. Okay. Uh, we played at uh, University of North Carolina, North Carolina State College, mm. Virginia Tech, um, uh, University of Virginia, uh, Washington Lee. Uh, um, I think we played one time at William and Murray. We played at Westland College. Wow. We played at um, VMI, yeah. uh, Lynchburg College, and huh. let's see, what did the, I think it was Westland College or something like that. Then we played in the Norfolk State. Yeah. And, uh, and so we also uh, played up in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. And uh, so we had an outstanding group, and uh, that was the, um, the rock and rhythms. What was the, um, was there a song that you guys just loved to play that just you played every, every show? Yeah, well, uh, one of the songs we like to see, we, we got into a little bit of, we did, you know, the song that uh, Ray Charles put out, The Cotton Fields? <laughs> okay, we used to sing it. We did a little bit of country music too, but, you know, because, see, like when you go into those colleges and all, like you're playing for the fraternity, yeah. you like, you learn it to play all different variety of music right. to please everybody. And so what we used to do, we used to, um, we used to do a lot of songs by uh, Ray Charles. We used to do songs by the Drifters. Yeah. You heard talk of the Drifters? Yeah. Uh, like This Magic Moment and right. Dance With Me and um, There Goes My Baby, <laughs> Sand In My Shoes and all that. And we used to do things by the um, um, Temptations, um, Otis Redding, yeah. um, Jackie Wilson, I want to uh, go to this concert. Huh? I, I'm feeling like I want to go to this concert. Yeah, I want well, to hear the rock and rhythms. Right man, now. I'm telling you, um, we rock. We yeah. were well um, recognized all over. Yeah. And see how we um, uh, gained the recognition was the fact that I was playing at the um, like University of Virginia. Yeah. Okay, well, see, they had friends that was in North Carolina State College, right? And they had friends at VPI and different places like that. And well, see, if you put on a good performance there. See, then they would recommend you to those guys. Right. And so we got in with the social chairmans. Mm. And then we had some guys, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard of talk of Fleet, I mean, C.B. Fleet. Yeah. Well, C.B. Fleet, the, uh, the, the, um, the president of C.B. Fleet, uh, his son was the social chairman for uh, Sigma Nu, not Sigma Nu, but um, St. Anthony in Charlottesville yeah. at University of Virginia. And see, when we formed that relationship with him, and then we had another guy named Tommy Hudson. His father used to run a sports shop down on Main Street. Mm. Well, he was the, uh, I think he was associate chairman for Sigma Nu. Yeah. And so when we got in with those guys like that, they were the one that promoted us yeah. to uh, Hampton, Sydney, and different yeah. places like that. So what role did you play in the in the band? Did you sing? Okay. Did you play an instrument? No, I was a lead singer. You were the lead singer? Yeah. Oh, so you can sing. Yeah, well, I was the lead singer, and. Um, then after that, I, I was the lead singer uh, when we started with the Twisters. Yeah. And then later years, I left the Twisters, and that's when Carl Anderson came into yeah. the picture. Yeah. Uh, the one I was telling you about that played the role yeah. in Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, see, he came and he was a lead singer too. Okay. But he was real young at the time. Yeah. And so, um, well, after I left the, uh, my brother became manager of the band, and then when my brother left the uh, Twisters, then uh, I went to Rock and Rhythms, where most of the guys I knew, they were younger than I, because yeah. they, you know, some of them came up in Little League football and stuff like that under me, yeah. you know, and so um, 
they asked me would I come with them, you know. So I um, wanted to help them out because they were having a problem with their lead singer. Yeah. And then later years, I became the manager. Okay. Of the, um, and the guys, they were ready for the professional field. Yeah. Let me tell you, you know, I, I, I would put them up against any professional guys that was out there. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, later years, that I felt that, you know, by me being married and had a family, you know, I couldn't travel right. or nothing like that. So I gave them the opportunity to, uh, to get out there in the world and try to make it. What does it feel like to lead a band and be having a, a great performance where the crowd's into it, the band's into it? What does that feel like? It feels good. And uh, but I'm going to tell you something, uh, uh, Billy, that I learned. I don't know if he's living or dead now, yeah. but I don't know if you remember Robert's Piano Company. Okay, Robert's Piano Company, they, was, they uh, specialized in pianos and things like that. And they had a man, they had a brother called D. Roberts. And, um, well, they had his brother named Marvin. That's the one I had relationship with because we bought an organ through them. Yeah. And, and then the, the, I formed a relationship with him. And one thing uh, uh, Billy, he uh, told me, I just go in and sit down and talk to him. And he told me, he said, um, um, Chubb, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, always remember this in life. He said, in the entertainment world. Most of the people, the majority of the people that want the, um, to be successful in the, in the entertainment world, where are the places that they go? And so, okay, right off the top of my head, either California or New York. Hmm. And so he told me, he said, look, Always remember this. He said that wherever you go, he said, if it's not but one or two peoples there, he said, always visualize that it's a crowd of people. Mm. He said, sing just as hard for those two peoples yeah. if you would a whole large crowd of people. Yeah. And that stuck with me. And the reason for that was because he said that you don't have to go to New York. You don't have to go to California to make it. He said those two, one of those two people right there yeah. can cost your career. Mm. He said, because you never know who's there watching you. Right. And, and it happened to Carlton. The guy was telling me Carl Nelson. He was at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And that's why he got the opportunity to play um, the lead role in Jesus Christ Superstar. And also, he played on Broadway, hmm. the uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. And then, uh, do you ever see the um, the movie The Color Purple? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know the guy at the end of the uh, uh, Color Purple. You know the guy when um, when Oprah Winfrey went back to meet her daughter and all came back from Africa. Yeah. But that black guy that was with her, that was Carl Anderson. Oh wow. Yeah. And he's one of your students and one of your, and then later bandmates. Yeah, right? he came, he was one of the lead singers on the band. I was, my yeah. brother recruited him. Yeah. You uh, he was one of the lead singers for our band. Wow. You know, and see now the uh, Dunbar uh, Auditorium is named after him. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you still sing to this day? The only thing, no, uh, no, I got out of the rock and roll field because I said, you know, the Lord had blessed me. Um, you know, through the years that, you know, he kept me safe, you know, home from danger and all that. Because I'm going to tell you, man, that, that life is a rough life. Mm. And, uh, and see, and I'm going to tell you, uh, Billy, I don't care who it is. 
you know, if you're out there in the entertainment world, you know, you're going to use some kind of drugs, mm. whether or not it's uh, uh, prescription drugs or whatever. Yeah. Because you think about it, um, your body can't stand for so much. Mm. Okay, if you out there on the road and you singing, okay, this night you in um, New York. Yeah. Tomorrow night you may be in, uh, in Tennessee. Yeah. Or the next night you may, well, you know, your resistance sometimes get real low. And, uh, and so your body can't take but so much. Mm. And, uh, and so um, what you're gonna have to do, you're gonna have to have something to pep you up. And, uh, and uh, you're like, I'm gonna tell you, you know, I, I, you know, tell, you know, tell the people, you know, some of the ones that I be talking to. You know, even when I was out there in the entertainment, when I never messed with no uh, um, drugs like um, marijuana and uh, speed and all this other stuff like that. But you have to take something to soothe your nerve. Mm. And I like that, but you know I never would anything like that. I never would mess with him. But I had a we had a guy that used to play lead guitar for us. He's a white guy, and he used to take airplane glue. I didn't know until later, you know that he used to take airplane glue. And what he would do, he would sniff that airplane glue. Mm. And then you heard this thing turbine hydrate with coating. Mm. You know it's a cough medicine. You now you used to could buy it in the store. Yeah. And I like that. But say like guys, they were using that stuff. Yeah. And see, the thing is, see, when you constantly on the go like that, you got to have something to build it, your system up. Yeah. And uh, because there's no way in the world, man, you playing the night for four and five hours and then you got to travel the next day and stuff like that. Your body's not getting the rest that it needs. Yeah. And so what happened, you got to have something to, you know, keep to pep you up. And, uh, and so, but the thing is that I'm glad that, uh, that I never got into anything like that. And, uh, but, uh, but I'm gonna tell you that anybody that's out there in that, um, uh, in that world, and I like that, they gonna take some kind of drug because there's no way in the world that they can make it mm. without uh, having something in the system. Mm. And I'll tell you something else. One of the things that I um, stressed on the band, I never made the rules for the band. I let them make their own rules. You know, one of the things that I didn't tolerate, I said, now, what you do after you don't perform, that's your business. I said, but when we out here performing, and I like, look, if I catch you drinking some alcohol, or I catch you drink, uh, you know, taking some pills and different things like that, I'm definitely going to find you. Mm. And uh, I said, now, you can't say that it's my rules or nothing like that. These are your rules. Yeah. And uh, so I let them, you know, plan their own rules, and I said, the only thing I would do is enforce yeah. And so, you know, and I had a problem with one or two of them, yeah. and I like so I had to make examples out of them, yeah. and uh, and so, um, but we were just like most like a family. <laughs> so tell me, before, before the rock and roll years, when you're a little kid, okay, growing up in Tinbridge Hill, where did this, where did your love of music start? Was there music in your home as a kid? Where, where did that come from? Well, it came from my, um, well, I had an older brother that used to, uh, you know, sing. He used to sing in a, in a quartet. Okay. And I uh, like that. And then I just had a, you know, in, in, in school, I just had a love for music. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, as, you know, in um, elementary school, uh, we had a, a teacher, he formed a chorus. Yeah. And I became a member of the chorus. And then when I went to high school, uh, I, um, became a member of the course in high school. 
and out of the uh, high school, out, and out of the course, we had some guys, we formed a group called the Shades. Mm -hmm. It was a vocal group, uh, you know, my classmates, mm -hmm. and, I, and we formed a, a group called the Shades. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, we participated in a few talent shows. Well, I think we won one. And um, then later years after I, um, you know, finished school and all like that, that's when the, the guys came to me. Uh, they said, you know, let's form a band. Yeah. And uh, you hear the Jefferson Park? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, over on the, that's where the, uh, the Twister started at, right there on that tennis court <laughs> at Jefferson Park. And then we had this guy named, uh, he was a uh, music teacher, and he was a teacher too, and named George Williams. And uh, so um, he became our first manager. He helped us buy some instruments and things like that. Yeah. And that's when we started out with the Twisters. Yeah. And where did you, um, I knew you grew up here. What street did you grow up on? On Polk Street. The okay. next street, this Jackson right here, the next street over is Polk Street. Yeah. And I grew up in that same block right there, the son of Zen. Tell me, tell me about, um, about that childhood home. Who was there? Who was, who was living with you there? Oh man. In my childhood, man, well, it, in my childhood, um, man, my mother, uh, my father, he worked at, at, at this style. Of, my father worked at Piedmont Mills. He was there for 53 years. Wow. Yeah. And my mother, you know, she worked a little while we were coming up, but she was the, the mother probably in the neighborhood. Mm. Because not only did uh, my mother raise us, she raised a whole lot of other kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. She was like that person you hear talk of, um, uh, the neighborhood mother. Mm -hmm. That's where my mother was. Mm -hmm. Like um, uh, coming up, um, I had uh, um, my sister, you know, the adopted sisters, and uh, my mother they raised them, and then like no kid in the area that came to their house would never go, you know, leave not uh, being hungry or anything like that. Mm. She fed them and uh, she nurtured them and uh, she was called like a neighborhood mother mm. and used to call her Aunt Gertie. Aunt Gertie. Yeah, mm. Aunt Gertie. And um, she treated them just like she would treat us. Mm. And then, you know, living like at uh, a village, you know, we had, um, let's see, I had one, two, um, well, in other words, I have four sisters, mm. and uh, and um, well, I had um, two biological sisters and all like that. But then, they, uh, but they still, regardless of whether they were um, biological or not, they still were my sisters. Yeah. And uh, that uh, you know, we never um, uh, said that you know that this is my half sister, or my whatever. This is my sisters. Yeah. And then I had um, three brothers, and uh, and so. I had one brother that was real treacherous, yeah. and uh, and then um, I had one. He was a singer. Mm. He used to sing with a gospel group, mm. and I, but and just think about uh, Billy. All of us grew up in the same house, <laughs> and the house and that's when I think about now. The house we only had at that particular time. We only had one, two, three, four. Four rooms, and then we had a you know like two hallways, like, and we all grew up as my brothers and sisters grew up in that environment. Yeah. 
until we got old and you know to, to get out on our own. Yeah. And uh, and so, and we had a wonderful life. Mm. You know, we never went hungry, nothing like that. We always had clothes and like that. And then we had stuff to share. My parents and we had stuff to share mm. with other guys. My father working at the flour mill. You know, he produced flour for us. Then, you know, I was learning how to uh, work in the garden. Mm -hmm. And then, you may not believe this, Billy, but you take Blackwater Creek down there, mm -hmm. well, that was a livelihood for fish. Really? Yeah, for this area. You go fishing there? Yeah, that's why I learned how to fish at in Blackwater Creek. Really? Yeah. You get, what kind of, what could you catch in Blackwater? We used to catch catfish. Uh, they used to call the fish called a sucker. It looked something like a car, but it was a sucker, perch, Really? And that's what's the livelihood of, that, uh, of, of this area right here. Because, yeah. see, the parents and things, they didn't have the finance to really, occasionally, they'd go to the uh, fish market. Mm -hmm. But other than that, that's where the food came from. Wow. And the interesting thing, uh, Billy, is that, you know, everything now, they said the rivers and things have been contaminated and all that. Okay. The catfish is a scavenger, right? right? And where you should catch the catfish at, see, years ago, they had raw sewage running into the creeks, mm -hmm. into the rivers too. And that's where you catch the catfish at. Yeah. And you didn't ever hear talking a whole lot of diseases and things like that. Now you figure that if the catfish is in there where raw sewage and stuff is running into the creek and all like that, <laughs> you know, the water was contaminated. So therefore you figure that people would have more um, uh, diseases and things like that, right? Yeah. You didn't hear talk of that during that particular time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where um, they used to go there and the people go down there, um, you know, they'd be down there fishing late in the evening, night and all like that on the, on the creek yeah. because they couldn't afford to go and really go to the grocery stores, and, I mean to the uh, fish market yeah. and buy fish. How would you prepare the fish? Huh? How would you cook them? Okay, well what they would do, they like catfish, you skin them. Mm -hmm. And then you take and wash them good, you know, wash them off in salt and stuff like that. And then they would take and fry them. Yeah. And then some people would bake them. Yeah. And then the carbs and things like that, they would, oh man, they um, used to fix them up. Man, sometimes you get carbs out of the river like that. Mm, that big? <laughs> yeah. My daughter caught one one day at a time. Um, my baby girl, she caught one day and it was, I think we ran about, I think we ran 10 or 11 pounds. Wow. And uh, she caught them. And uh, she took a picture with him down there. Her and her boyfriend were down there fishing. <laughs> and uh, let's see, now, but then, let's see, when you go to the river, so you had other uh, fishing, you had new river cats, you had um, mud cats, you had mud cats, <laughs> and, uh, and um, then uh, uh, it was different type of catfish in there. And then mostly it was carps and things. We used to go down there, really, we fish all night long. Yeah. Down on the, you know, down on the, on the river yeah. and things like that. And then uh, we did, um, in my later years, we did some fishing at night down on the creek. Yeah. But none of them down there, because they didn't have a whole lot of light during that particular time, you know. Yeah. But basically, that was the livelihood of the, uh, of the people, you know, for fishing and stuff in this area. So tell me, so, so you're getting fish from Blackwater Creek, which I didn't realize. Right. And, um, and James River, too. And James River. Tell me about gardening. I know gardening's special to you. What was it? Was there gardening going on at your house yeah. growing up? That's how I, really, I learned how to do it. See, my father, you know, what they would do, they would plant salad. They would plant um, um, tomatoes, um, corn, 
mm. uh, string beans, and even they planted. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they would plant peanuts, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you'd be surprised they plant peanuts. Yeah. And uh, and so um, basically, you know, the uh, and then see one of the things too, um, we had ran in this area right here. We surrounded by fruit trees. Yeah. We had cherry trees. We had um, pear trees. We had apple trees, mm. peach trees, and all that that grew up. Yeah. And then we had uh, they grew strawberries, and uh, some of the prettiest strawberries you want to it was right down in the bottom, right there. One day you come over, what I do, I give you a, a tour of Timbridge Hill, yeah, and let you see. Uh, that uh, down at um, now it's a wooded area now, but they used to grow some beautiful strawberries down mm. there. And then uh, we had cherry trees. Um, uh, and basic thing, you didn't have to go to the market to buy no fruits or nothing like that because we had plenty of trees and things around here. This grew up naturally. Yeah. So I'm picturing in that time when you were a kid, you know, your mom's feeding every, you know, helping uh, mm -hmm. kids in the neighborhood. I'm picturing in the summer, when all the vegetables are getting ready, fruit, berries are coming together, you guys having some pretty nice meals of fish, fresh vegetables, fresh fruit. Do you remember some, some good meals growing up? Yes, goodness, man. That's where any kids used to come to our house a lot because they knew they were going to get a good meal. And one thing, uh, too, um, Billy, that we used to go out and pick back blackbirds. Oh, yeah. Man, we used to walk all the way over to, have you ever been across the, uh, the trussle? Down there, uh, Southern Trussell. Is it? Connect have you been down on the bike trail? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, at the time you couldn't go. We went across there, but it was dangerous because see, trains was running across there at that time. You would go across the trestle. Yeah. Yeah. We walk all the way across the high trestle. Yeah. Then we go down to the low trestle. Yeah. You know, you took chances of um, of uh, see what we did. We learned the signals of the, you know you could see these lights. Yeah. On there. Well, see, when you saw the lights green. That meant that a train was coming. Yeah. And uh, when you see the lights were yellow, that was caution lights. Mm. And then sometimes they, I think they had a red light that, you know, you know that you were safe then. But you, you go down there sometime and look. I tell, all you got to do one day, if you ride down, okay, if you go to the dead end of the street right here, okay, Jackson Street right here, mm -hmm. okay, so if you go to the dead end of, of Jackson Street, that is Harlan Street. If you go to Holland Street and make a left and go all the way to the end, you'll see the trussle, the high trussle going across the um, Blackwater Creek. Yeah. And we used to walk across that trussle and go over there to pick blackberries. And uh, cause I'm telling you, man, they were, um, they, you know, some of the blackberry carving things don't taste nothing like it was when we was coming up, you mm. know. They just fixed blackberry carver, peach carver. Um, and then to tell you something else that they used to do, my parents and I would do it. But we used to go and pick dandelions, yeah. and they used to make dandelion wine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they used to make that. We used to go. They used to pay us. People used to go and pay us, and uh, we go and pick dandelions <laughs> for them, and uh, and they go and they used to make wine out of them. Did you ever try it? No. Uh -uh. <laughs> no, I was. You know, th that's one thing, um, Billy. That uh, um, you know, in my family, you know, we've had some people that they classify them as alcoholics. Yeah. Um, but we never had no dope addicts or nothing like that in the family. But we, we had some, <laughs> some stone alcoholics in the family. Right. And, uh, but, you know, when they get to the point like that, I used to, you know, I used to just stay away from them. You know, now the thing is that uh, I tried to drink. I tried to smoke. 
and I never liked it. Mm. When I was 12 years old, I remember that a friend of mine, he's dead now. Yeah. His father had, he used to drink Sigum 7 whiskey. And he had a pant. And so my buddy and I, um, he got some of his father's liquor. He drank some and I drank some. Mm. It never made me drunk. It never made me sick. Mm. And nothing. From that day, I was around 12 years old. And from that day to this day, I never even wanted to smell it, like mm. the smell of it. Yeah. You uh, know, and I tried to smoke. I didn't like that. And yeah. you know, and so I was very fortunate. You know, and I so uh, you know I had some of my other friends that came up, you know, during the time that I came up. You know, they were some of them ended up being alcoholics, and yeah. um, you know. Few of them got on drugs and things like that, but other than that, I was, I was blessed. Yeah. So tell me about. So you grew up on Polk Street, here in Timber Hill. Where did you go to school? Yoder used to be a school right there. Yoder. Yeah, yo. Yeah. See if the uh, if they was open or something like that, but they are taking the pictures down now, because uh, they're gonna renovate the center. Yeah. And uh, but it was a two-story building there, and they called Yoder School Center. Now it's not Yoda School. Now it's Arbor Barber Park. Oh. And then the the see the new addition on the back the back of the building. Yeah. That is the Arbor Barber Education Center. Wow. And I uh, like that. And um, uh, they raised this thing I said about Jane was a jewel. I didn't know at the time that uh, this was in process of naming it after me in the um, in the center. Yeah. And Jane White was the one that. To my understanding, coordinated all of this, and to my understanding, for to do that Arbor Barber Park and to do that addition onto the uh, that center, the Yoda Center, and uh, will cost something pretty around I'm in there about a half a million dollars. Wow! And they did all that in honor of me, <laughs> and uh, and so, um, you know, that's when I said, you know, that you you always praise the bridge to carry you across. Mm. And, uh, and so uh, that's why that I try to uh, build it, is that the Lord has been a blessing to me mm. and my family. And um, and by the way, my father was a Pentecostal minister. Oh, okay. Yeah, he came out of the church right there, the First Church of Jesus. Right, right there. here, right yeah, here. Uh, down the yeah. yeah, yeah, he was a Pentecostal minister. And I'm going to tell you, Billy, he's dead and gone. He died back in 82. Mm. And... The um, I have in my lifetime, I never saw a man that walked on the faith of this earth, um, that had the faith in God that my father had. Wow. And he, you know, I came in contact with a lot of ministers because see, I used to work, I work at the funeral home for about I work at the funeral, I know at least about fifteen or twenty years, at Hutchinson Funeral Home, and. I came in contact with a lot of ministers, mm. but I never saw a minister that really had the faith that my dad had. And uh, to tell you the faith that he had, Billy, um, he didn't believe in doctors. Mm. He believed in the hospital. Now, don't get me wrong now. He told me these words right here. He said, look, he told, his, told the congregation, he said, look, just because, you know, I feel that way, look, if you haven't got the faith that I got, he said, the doctors is here for a purpose. Mm. The hospital is here for a purpose. Yeah. 
he said that if you get sick or something like that, you got to say you better go to the doctor or to the office. Don't go out here telling the people that I told you not to do this because of me. Mm-hmm. And because the reason I said that, brother, because I used to be the one that take him up and he couldn't drive. And I used to cram up and down the highway. Sometimes, Bill, I'm gonna tell you, man, it was rough. I, um, I be out some nights, man. I be done played all night long, man. I get home sometimes at one, two, or three o'clock in the morning, mm. and at eight o'clock or eight thirty or something like I was on the road with him carrying him to church. Mm. You know, like if he had to go to Rono to, um, to preach, or carry him up to Rono, mm. if he had to go up to near D.C. or somewhere like that, or wherever he wanted to go. I never questioned him or nothing like that. But I knew long as I was with him that everything would be all right. Mm. That's how much faith that I had. And, and like I told you, if he could out, uh, build it, I could have an old dilapidated car that probably you figure if you go out here and go down the street somewhere and it break down. If my father came to me and told me, said, um, he used to call me Arbeline. <laughs> he said, Arbeline, he said, uh, if I needed to go to D.C. or I needed to go, that you know another word, <laughs> and, uh, and I was telling him no longer in church the other day, last Sunday, I was telling him about my dad, the confidence that I had in my dad, and I knew the Lord was with him, yeah. that we were going to, we was up in Salem one time, brother, and my brother, we had uh, my brother's car, and you heard of onion peelings on a car, when you mean onion peelings on it, there ain't no trees and much on the car. Yeah. And so I drove uh, his car to Salem, and it came up the snowstorm. And man, uh, these ladies now, they was holding and sanctified. <laughs> and, uh, and so <laughs> they were riding with us. And so they had this preacher, he was long-winded. But see, on his car, he had snow tires and all that stuff on his car. And he was up there, it looked like he wouldn't stop. So the, the ladies came to me and told me, say, uh, they called me and said, Brother Volvo. said, Brother Volvo said, tell your dad it's snowing outdoors. <laughs> and I said, um, Okay, so I went out and told Dad, I said, Dad, I said, uh, oh, what her name was, Sister King. And I said, uh, they said, it's snowing outside. So he said, all right. And so we went on, and so I think it was maybe about an inch or two inches of snow on the ground then. Yeah. <laughs> so then, Billy, it was snowing like on the way. I imagine about, laid on about four inches of snow on the ground. And we had them onion peelings on the car, you know. And so... <laughs> I, uh, they told me again, said, but Bob, I said, that snow is getting deep out there, so you're going <laughs> to your daddy, you know, it's snowing out there, you know. <laughs> he said, are you just content, man? And um, so if he was content, I was content, because I knew that the Lord, that him being a man of God, I knew the Lord was going to make a way for us to get back home, you know. Mm. Don't you know, Billy, we, I drove from Salem all the way to Lynchburg. And didn't have a minute's problem until I got, you know, when you turn off the exit on uh, going to Gray Street? Yeah. Okay. When I turned off the exit right there, that's when I had the problem. A guy was straddling over the road, you know, <laughs> trying to make it up there. And so the traction that I had, I couldn't because uh, him. And so finally, the Lord fixed it so that I could get up there, you know. Well, I carried this lady home. And her husband, have you ever been on Riverside Drive? Yeah. Okay, if you go to Riverside Drive, you know where you go to the um, power plant mm-hmm. in Jerusalem? Yeah. Well, see, over there, well, see, Riverside Drive goes off to the right right there. You go on down. You're going around to the left. 
you're going on down to the uh, Rusum, to the what used Rusum furnace, mm -hmm. and then the uh, it's Bunker Carpet now, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, anyhow, if you go to the right, that's Riverside Drive. So the lady that was with me, she lived over on Riverside Drive. Yeah. Uh, the lady that we dropped off first over on Fifteenth Street, um, her husband he had chains and snow tires on his car, and he went over to carry her home, and he got stuck. And, uh, and we came all the way from Salem here, Lynchburg, and I had another minute trouble until we got off there. And so I told him, I said, uh, you know, and you know, and I saw the miracles of the Lord work through my father. Because yeah. I saw him die twice. Um, the, my father died twice. He died in my arms. You know, we were living right there. We, our home house would be right there on Polk Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, my brother-in-law and I, we had carried him to the, um, to the bathroom. And uh, cause you know he started his age, he started getting weak, like, and um, so we came back from the uh, the bathroom, and he was sitting there, and he just slumped over in my arms like that. Mm. And at the time, I wasn't in the church then, but some spoke to me and told me, said, tell somebody to get a, a towel and wet it. And um, and he got the towel and wet it. And I started saturating his face with the towel. Mm. And the Lord brought him back through just like that. Mm. And to tell you how um, the spirit must have left out his body, because he told my sister, he was gone. And he told my sister these words, that she was living right now, she would tell you today that he told her, he said, she started calling the life saving crew. Mm. And, uh, and he told her, he said, if you had done what you started to do. He said, you would have been sorry. Mm. And this is what he told her. He said, you would have been sorry because mm. he didn't believe in the, uh, you know, the doctors or nothing like that, you know. Mm. And he had his confidence in the Lord. Mm. And so he went on and um, the Lord brought him back through like that. Yeah. Then one day he had, he had, I don't know whether he had preached or what over on Virginia Street. It was a church over there that he was over there. He used to go over there after he left him down here. Mm. And right after he had, I went to pick him up from church in the back room right there, the same thing happened. Mm. He just collapsed like that. And some spoke to me again and told me to get at the tower and, um, and, you know, and, and wet it and saturate his face and things like that with him. Mm. And, uh, and I did that and the Lord brought him back through just like that. Mm. And I don't know if you ever seen a person die before, but most time, if you if you see a person when they get ready to die, or to, you always see the eyes start dilating, and it'll focus. Yeah. And then, what you do, if the real light person, a white person, or something like that, they started getting kind of pale, like, yeah. and like, cause see what happens is depends upon the position that you your body is in when you die, yeah. when the blood started slowing down. And most of the time, a dark-skinned person, they started turning grayish-like. Mm. And uh, like, because then you know, I experienced just like that. They'd been working at funeral home and all. Yeah. And so, um, but the Lord brought him through like that. And that's when I told you that I never saw any minister that I know of. Yeah. And I came in contact that had the faith that he had. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing, too, and just uh, to conclude that, uh, villain. He told me when he started ailing, but he said he didn't want to be no burden on us. He said, told me to go and see about our nursing home hmm. to, you know, that he could 
um, you know, put him in because he didn't want to be no burden on us. Yeah. And to show you how the Lord came through, I never went to the nursing home. <laughs> I never went and checked on her or nothing yeah. because I felt that with him being a man of God, the Lord would provide a way for him. Yeah. The Lord provided a way because I was working at, uh, at the time I was working at Earl Finn. And uh, I was working, um, like I said, I was working um, eight-hour job there, yeah. and I had a half an hour to get from Arrowfin to the center. Yeah. And I was at the center to nine o'clock at night, and the Lord fixed it so that I was here. I left Arrowfin, and I was here. The Lord fixed it so that I could um, be here to help my sister. She took care of me. Then my brother, he when he got off from work at night, he would go down around seven o'clock yeah. and uh, stay with him up until maybe about eight o'clock, nine. Then I would go down. And then my other brother, he would come in and spend the night, mm. so he didn't have to go to no nursing home. My sister and all, she took care of him, mm. and I like, and we all took care of him. Mm. And um, so the thing is, that's what I'm saying about him. Yeah. And so that's one of the things really that I learned from the uh, my father's. Uh, being a religious man and then my mother being as sweet as she was, you know, that I guess that, you know, steered over into some of us. Yeah. And uh, so that's why that I try to, uh, you know, do what I can because I know the Lord has blessed me. He blessed my family and all that. And so, and so the thing is that you always praise the bridge to carry you across mm. because you never know what time you got to cross over that bridge. Mm. That's good. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's one of the things that I said to be, uh, uh, Billy about this property right here. Yeah, that's a good, I'm sure people who are listening have heard that we're not inside at a studio. They've probably heard of, uh, maybe a car go by, maybe a voice. Why don't you tell people where we are, if they're okay. listening, where we're sitting right now. Right now we are in the, um, what you call the Timberch Hill Neighborhood Garden. Hmm. And uh, it's located on, um, on uh, between second and third street and federal and jackson street in the timberage hill area mm. how long have you been working this garden in this garden yeah. uh we've been working this garden uh approximately i think we started working here around 2000 2004 2005 yeah. and and we've been here ever since okay and then um during that time that uh the haven they was the one overseeing the property yeah. And so they decided to, they wanted to venture out because the property right here wasn't large enough now for them to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. So they sold the property to Central Health. And, uh, and see, Central Health, to my understanding, is planning to do a parking lot mm -hmm. here. And um, they were, um, you know, sorry that they had to sell the property. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is that because by us, uh, by this property benefiting so many people and all like that, it was, um, you know, they were sorry. Yeah. But I told them they didn't have anything to be sorry for because by them letting us use this property for uh, for so many years and all, look how many lives that we have touched. Yeah. You know, the families and other words that we have touched. Yeah. And this make a big difference. And uh, because, like I said, not only that we touched the families or the kids that came through the center, but a lot of elderly peoples in this area 
not only in this area but in other areas. Yeah. And the ones that have been very supportive to us. And one thing I like to say that if it had not been for the support of St. John's Episcopal Church, mm. I don't think that uh, we would have been as successful as we have been, you know, through the years. Um, without support, we've been able to accomplish a lot. Um, one thing, Billy, I'd like to tell you too, that at one time, this area was one of the most uh, infected area for drugs mm. in the whole inner city. Okay, uh, in this area, um, back in the early, about the latter part of the 90s, or something like that, we had two murders mm. in this area. Okay, Billy, you can't see it right now, but right up on the top of the hill right there, it was a, it's a big house. If you ride about it, you see it's a big white house that's set on the corner. Somebody killed a man in that house in broad daylight, and they know it wasn't no forced entry or nothing. Yeah. And I don't think to the day they found out who um, who killed a man. Okay, <clears throat> right at that same area up there, it was about a 19-year-old young man. They gunned him down, coming down 4th Street. That's 4th Street. See, the streets run for 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th Street. They gunned him down right there in that block, right there between Polk and uh, Jackson. Mm. I think he was probably about 19 years old. Mm. He was from Alexander, Virginia, and it was a hit. Mm. And not only that, this uh, right here, the 2nd Street, mm -hmm. okay, coming from Monroe Street down, they had killed a guy, and they drove up the street right here mm. and dropped him off up in the Garland Hill area. Mm. See, now that's all that up there. On the other side of the street, if you ever ride through there, you'll see they got bricks and things down there. That separate the historic district from Timbridge Hill. And they threw them out of the car up there. And they were heading back north. And the reason they caught them was because that uh, when we formed our neighborhood watch over here, I always would inform them that if you see a vehicle with, you know, out of town tags and things on like that, you know, in the area, like and not notify the police department. Mm. And what they did, somebody saw the vehicle and they got the license plate number and they was heading on back up north. And they caught them, I think, out in Amherst County. And uh, then uh, um, some of the guys even came up through the center and uh, they got into the drug world. Mm. And the guy came to me, he dead now, but the guy came to me, they had a hit out on him and his whole family. Mm. Now that's how bad the drugs was in this area. Yeah. And he came to me, because most of them looked up to me most like a father, because I probably was the only father that they really knew. Yeah. And, uh, and so he came to me and told me they had a hit. And I'm gonna tell you, Billy, no kid that came up through the center under me uh, during my leadership there had no reason to be involved in um, in drugs or involved in um, in being incarcerated, anything like that. Because one thing that you can say, you talk to anybody that uh, that knew me, you know, that uh, from the sun and everything, mm -hmm. that if they didn't learn any morals and values at home, they sure learn them there. Mm. 
and uh, now we're not supposed to do that. Be teaching more than that. That's what we learn in a home. Yeah. And uh, but when you come, when you see the kids that's coming up in broken homes, you know, uh, you hear the parents telling me, "You're not gonna ever amount to anything in life. Mm. Uh, you ain't, you're not this, or you're not that." Mm. And uh, like, what you think? Uh, what kind of trick they have on the kid? Yeah. Well, see, that's what he had to deal with in those rec centers. We had kids that come up through there, um, really didn't know where they were going to lay their head at the next night. Mm. Didn't know where the next meal was coming from the next night, I mean the day or night. Mm. And so that's why they used to come to the center. And I like it because one thing, when they came to the center and um, uh, they what they were supposed to do, they didn't have to worry, but they never went home, if I knew of it, they never went home hungry. Yeah. And because I always kept food there for them. And, uh, and then and my wife told me one time that I need to carry me a bed up there. <laughs> and uh, because you think about it, Billy, now I, had to, I was working an eight-hour job. And as I said earlier, that I, I had a half an hour to get from Arrowfin over here to the center at 4 o'clock. Yeah. And I was there from 4 o'clock up until 9 o'clock at night. Mm. And sometimes I wouldn't get home for around 10, 10.30, something like that. And uh, so that time, you know, I didn't really have time to, um, only time I really saw my kids mostly was they come to the center and things like that, but when they had to do the homework, then they would leave and go home and do the homework. But then you got the other kids there, you know, that have that luxury, yeah. you know. And so then that's when I learned then, you know, that um, it's not we're always what the uh, Lord can do for me, but we can do for somebody else. Mm. And, uh, and so that's why that, um, uh, you know, the kids, uh, you know, they would come to the sun and they didn't want to go home because, you know, the type of atmosphere that they was in. And then you realize too, Billy, you wonder why, out of all those why the guys out there messing with drugs. Well, you think about it, survival. Mm. And I used to tell the police officers, I said, if, well, you know, uh, they were very cooperative to us, supportive to us. And I, and I would tell them, I said, if you would put yourself in the same than these kids right here coming up, what would you do? Yeah. You know, the thing is that you could never tell nobody that, you know, if you got the mind that you got now, I'm never going to steal anything, I'm not going to do this. You don't know what you're going to do in the next 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. And, I, and so the thing that, uh, you know, I would try to do everything in my power that I could to keep them on the right track. You know, and encourage them. You, know, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. You know, and so that's why a lot of them, uh, man, you know, they they looked up to me more like a father mm. than they did a recreational leader. Yeah. You know, and so anything that I would ask them to do, just about, uh, you know, well, you have some in the hand that, you know, <laughs> they always want. They don't say that the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm. You know, so you know, some of them that love that dollar. And uh, like that, uh, you can reach some, and then some of you can't. And uh, so, you know, I was into the fifth generation of kids, and we walked these streets. Um, um, Bella, we walked these streets for 18 months. We Tell me talking, about that. Huh? Tell me about that. Tell me about those walks. I've I've seen a picture, a classic picture of you, leading a big group of people yeah. down the street. Tell me yeah. about that. Okay. We walked the street. This area right here was so infested with drug dealers and users. Mm. Okay, from that area up there. Now, 
around there where I live at, we never had no real big problems. I live right on the next street over there. Right. We never had any real, from this center right here, all the way around up two blocks up, and a little bit down on the other side there. Yeah. And all the way around through Federal Street, on up here to um, Fourth Street, up that area, right up on Polk Street up there, was infested with drug dealers and users. They was out there in the street, man, up until the wee hours of the morning, mm. not the early. And what after these, uh, well, I was telling you about the deaths and all uh, the murders yeah. in the area. Well, they came to me and told me that, um, you know, in other words, <laughs> they volunteered me to do it, you know, to be the, um, the, uh, the leader for this area by me being a yeah. recreation leader. So we formed a group called the, um, we formed the Neighborhood Watch. And then we found a group called the Neighborhood Council. Mm -hmm. And so they chose me as the, uh, the president of it. At least it's still the president of it now. And, um, and so what we did when we formed a council like that, then we, we got together and we um, formed these marches. And like I said, Billy, we were out there for 18 months. Wow. We were out there in the rain, sleet, snow, heat, you name it. Mm the kids, and I was out there in the street marching to make a difference, and we made a difference. This area right now, you can check with the police department, anything now, this area right here is the most safest area in the inner city. If you come over here, you can see people walking through the street at one, two o'clock in the morning, and uh, but you know how to see, when you cross uh, Fifth Street up here, Martin Luther King Boulevard, I guarantee you don't see too many people walking in the street over in that area. Mm. And, uh, and so, um, but when we took the initiative to, to make a difference, that's why that uh, not only St. John's, St. John's is the outstanding church that really been in this area, mm -hmm. but we had support from, um, from Pickland United Methodist Church. Mm. Uh, we had uh, St. Stephen's Church up in Forest, Virginia and uh, Reverend Hutchison, Carl Hutchison. Mm. And um, he was the pastor of Trinity United Methodist Church. Yeah. And we had um, support from him. Yeah. And then the First Church of Jesus right here. And uh, but other than that, you know, we had other people that uh, came in, you know, to help and things like that. Other people out of St. John's Church and different things like that, you know. And, but, that's the reason that we've been so, uh, you know, successful as we have been in the Chimichil area. What was the message of the marches? Huh? What was the message? As you march, what was the message? The message that we gave was that um, we wasn't going to tolerate, you know, the drugs, activity and things in this area. Yeah. And, uh, and the, uh, the thing, we sent a message to God. See, one of the things too, uh, let me say this to uh, Bella, that during times like that, people are fearful. Mm. You feel for like, so when you're dealing with stuff like that, your life is in jeopardy. Because, you know, a straight bullet doesn't have any eyes on it or anything like that. Yeah. And you out there walking in the streets and things like that. With drug dealers, they don't care. The only thing they're concerned about is the mighty dollar. Mm. And they won't do everything they can to intimidate you. Yeah. And I like that, you know, anybody. And, I, and so if you let them intimidate you, then, you know, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. And so the thing is that um, when the um, when we walk the streets, 
we sent a message not only to the, uh, to the drug dealers, we sent a message to the people in the community. And I used to tell them sometimes, I said, that you all in your house are sitting there and you eating pork chops, steaks, and chicken, and different stuff like that. And I said, we out here walking the street trying to make a difference. Mm. And, uh, and um, you ought to be out here. And you'd be surprised at the people that live right in the area never participating in none of our marches and all. Mm. And we have people out there building from kids on up to, uh, we had a lady, I think around about 75 or 80 years old, <laughs> um, out here walking. Mm. And we have people come far from via Virginia here to march with us. Yeah. People from Bedford County. That's how St. Stephen's Church got involved. Yeah. And people from Pickley United Methodist Church and all that. And then you would think the village that the local church now, there, the First Church of Jesus right there, they um, people from First Church of Jesus, they marched with them. Yeah. And then you had some other churches around here that they never participated in nothing mm. that we would do. And uh, and so I, you know, I tell them about it. You know, they they don't want to hear it, but I told them I said, now you figure that um, uh, most of our kids now. The new guys that's there at, uh, like up at Fifth Street Church now, they began into, uh, since my daughter and my son-in-law have attended the church now, and, uh, uh, and then now that my uh, cousin, he the pastor of the church now, they're probably quite sure they're going to probably be doing a lot in this area too. But you would figure that most of our black churches would participate to pay more in what we were doing than any of them. And a lot of our kids either went to Fifth Street Church, Court Street Church, or either Jackson Street Nine and Methodist Church or H Street Church. And we never got any participation hardly out of them. Mm. Most of our participation came out of First Church of Jesus, Trinity United Methodist Church, Peekland United Methodist Church, St. Stephen's Church up in Forest, Virginia. Mm. And I'm gonna tell you, man, they walked the street with us. Mm. And, uh, and uh, it, it was rough. Well, we had a good time. They, a lot of them enjoyed doing it. Hmm. But the thing is, like I said again, Billy, that now this area right here is one of the most safest areas in inner city. That's wow. why we got the Johnson Health Center. If it had not been for what we done in this area right here, the Johnson Health Center would never been there. Family Dollar would never been there. Yeah. The pyramid right there, or the um, Pace Building, yeah. that would never been there. And um, none of the stuff could happen uh, if it hadn't been for what we done here in the Timberchill area. Wow. And uh, we made a, excuse, we made a difference, and and still making a difference. And one thing I said, Billy, that after doing all that, um, when we first came over here to this garden right here, um, I told him that when we started, um, you know, creating the garden. I told him, we're not going to sell that stuff. I said, we're going to give it away. I said, the Lord has blessed us to, you know, to fix it so that we could share with different people. And what we did, like I said, we shared with people that supported to us and people like a lot of the elderly people, they have died out now. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the elderly people, we shared it with them. And so uh, I told them, they tried to get me to sell it. And I told them, I said, no. I said, now I'm going to tell you something. I said, as long as I got anything to do with it, 
I said that I ask the Lord to bless it so that it'll be a blessing to others. Mm. And, uh, and I said, if I go out here and start selling it, you know, what's going to happen? The blessing is gone. Mm. And I said, no, now that I'm affiliated with it and I got my health and strength and all like that, then I'm going to do what I can, you know. Mm. But uh, uh, one thing I um, want to tell you too. Yes, sir. You heard the name Timbridge Hill. Mm -hmm. Okay. Timbridge Hill was actually in actuality. This right here was classified as Garland Hill, from you know, according to them. You can do some research on it, yeah. but uh, this was classified as Garland Hill. Okay, Timbridge Hill was a nickname for this area. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Timbridge Hill, and like I said, one day uh, you over here, you have some time and something like that, I give you a, a tour of this right here. Yeah. Um, it started. Um, then this is what I from I learned from my. Um, um, you know, from the uh, some of the, the things that I grew up with, and all uh, that, that Timothy Hill. I guess they thought it was a hill too, but it wasn't. But they gave it a nickname, Timothy Hill. They said right at the okay, this is Second Street. Mm -hmm. The next street is First Street. If you go down First Street, down at the bottom where the cemetery come down there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it used to be a Tim Bridge right there. Now, some people got different uh, theories about Timbridge, but you think about it. How would you name an area Timbridge Hill? That trussle down there won't make out no Timbridge. <laughs> How would you see a big train going across a Timbridge? <laughs> that doesn't even make good sense, does it? <laughs> now, down on the lower track, see the Norfolk and Western, now it's Norfolk and Southern now, but it used to be Norfolk and Western and Southern, yeah. where the bike trail was Norfolk and Western. Now, if you go down and look at that bridge, now they'd have put wood across it now, but up under there is metal. Yeah. Now, <laughs> how would you like to see a, a, a big tin, a big locomotive going across a tin bridge? <laughs> well, so what I learned from my elder was that at the bottom of Monroe Street here between first and second, that's yeah. that street right there and the street over, mm -hmm. where down at the bottom it come down and call Thrills Hill. Right down there, yeah. and at the bottom of it, it used to be a Tim Ridge there because it used to be a branch of something like raw sewage and stuff used to run yeah. right through there up under the ground and all. And they had a Tim Ridge down there, so they, it used to be a dirt road from what I understand. And they had the bridge and then they called yeah. it Tim Ridge. And that's where it got its nickname from with Tim Ridge Hill. Yeah. Okay, later years that when I became the president of the organization over here, uh, re, we re-established our boundaries, yeah. okay? Our boundaries now start at the roundabout. Mm -hmm. Now that's the, only reason, that's the only reason why the Johnson Health Center could be put there. Because if it was a historic district, Johnson Health Center could have never been there. Mm. The uh, Family Dollar could have never been there. Right. If you go down and you see a sign on the side that uh, what Family Dollar, the sign over there saying Timbridge. Mm. Okay, Timbridge Hill starts down at the roundabout on that side of the street right there. Mm -hmm. And it goes all the way over to First Street. Okay, like I said, this is Second. Mm -hmm. On both sides of the street in this area right here is Timbridge Hill. All right, when it goes over to First Street, it goes over and then once you cross First Street, it used to be a store right there on the corner where it goes down to Harrison Street. Okay. And when it goes down to Harrison Street, 
it goes all the way back there and down to Blackwater Creek. Hmm. And it comes up on around on this side of Blackwater Creek. It takes in Harlan's Mill Road right there at the bridge. Before you cross the bridge, that's Harlan Mill Road. I mean, uh, that's Timberidge Hill. Right. And then it comes on up Blackwater Creek, on around up by the Southern Railroad, on this side of the Southern Railroad, on back over to the Martin Luther King Bridge. Yeah. And then it comes down on this side of Martin Luther King uh, Road up on um, in Fistry. It comes all the way from uh, the bridge all the way down to the roundabout. Hmm. All that's what classified as Timberkill area now. Yeah. And I've, I've read and I've heard it s several places that people call you the mayor yeah. of Tinbridge Hill. <laughs> what, what, what do you think when you hear that? What do you feel? <laughs> I just look at I guess because I've been involved in so much stuff in the area like that, so then making sure that stuff is done and all like that, you know, that gets, that's really they said that out for me. You know, we, you know, since I've been here and was able, that I've been on top of most of everything here and that's happening in the area. And so most time they something they need to know or something like that about the area, they'll come to me. Yeah. Because I um, know more, I guess I know more about the area than the average person here now. Yeah. Because see, most of the people that I grew up with and all like that, most of them did. Yeah. And they're not but, uh, building that there, not but two people over here now living in this area that uh, was during the time that I came up. Mm. Most of them had died out. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, so Jane White, and I think Jane was the one who named me the, uh, the <laughs> mayor of Timberidge Hill. Yeah. And I, because most of the time they wanted some information, uh, they could come to me because I would stay on top of most of the stuff in the area. Yeah. And, uh, and then with, um, I worked along, I was on the board for the uh, Leechburg Neighborhood Development Foundation Mm -hmm. And um, Leechburg loan thing, dealing with um, uh, I, you know here dealing with habitat, mm -hmm. and um, then uh, you know work with the police department. And, uh, Do you feel like you have someone or a couple people that you can one day pass that baton off to of leadership for Tinbridge Hill? Are there people that? You can see, you know what I mean? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's hard to say that. I tried to do that when it was coming up, is to teach the, uh, you know, sort of leadership skill. Yeah. And I uh, like that. And so uh, it's hard to say now because, you know, a lot of them, um, they leave, they go to school, and uh, most of them leave the area and go to other places. Yeah. And, uh, but I tried to instill it into them that one day, you know, if they ever stay here in, in, um, in Lynchburg and live in this area right here, that they would occur on, um, you know, the sort of legacy and all like that. Yeah. And uh, so, um, but, you know, you never know. But I tried to do it, so, you know. One thing, I, you know, they learn from uh, experience and stuff like that, that, you know, they ever come back to the area or something like that, that they would um, maybe take up the torch and continue, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a rare thing for someone to live in the same neighborhood for 82 years these days, you know, people go, they move all the time, they move mm -hmm. from city, they go where they go to school. I mean, that's kind of a rare thing for someone to live in the same spot, but it's special. It's special, though, because you know this area, you know the people in it, you, you love the people in it, mm -hmm. and you yeah, love the community. Yeah. Um, that's kind of rare, though, yeah. these days. You don't see it that often. Well, see, I, uh, um, I had the opportunity to lead the area, but 
I came here, you know, then I felt like uh, this wasn't the best place to raise a family. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, in the Timberchill area is one of the, uh, is a good area to raise your uh, family. But see, you're up here, read, um, like I spoke over St. John, the uh, pastor, the new pastor asked me to come over and, and, uh, and talk to the people about yeah. the relationship between St. John's and uh, Timberchill, how that came about. And I was telling them that, uh, you heard those saying say it takes a village to raise a child, mm -hmm. okay? Well, that's the way Timothea was when I was coming up. Yeah. You know, people care for each other. Yeah. They taught kids and things, they taught us morals and values. Yeah. And the thing that would help us as we uh, go through life. And, uh, and I learned, and that's what I tried to instill into the kids that came up under me, yeah. and uh, these morals and values. Because that would get you further in the world and you can be so highly educated and, and you get in that sophisticated world and all that, and you forget all about where you come from. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the things that I tried to instill into them. I don't care how high you go, uh, and I use this illustration. The eagle is one of the highest flying birds that is, right? Well, don't he have to come back to the earth to get his food and stuff and water and stuff? And uh, so the thing is, I don't care how high you go, and yeah. you know, one day you may fall. Hmm. And uh, you can step on people's and things going up the corporate ladder or whatever. But some of those people that you're stepping on going up that ladder, you may have to meet them people when you come back down off the ladder. Yeah. You know, and you can see the condition that the world is in now. You never would have dreamed that we would be dealing with stuff that we're dealing with now. Yeah. You know, because see, people have gotten to the point they don't care. Yeah. Only thing they concern about Billy is the mighty dollar. Mm. You know, I don't care whether I step on your your head or whatever. Yeah. As long as I can get that mighty dollar, I'm okay. Yeah. But see, the thing that mighty dollar is not gonna save you. Mm. You know, and you never know what time you're gonna be down. Yeah. And then one of the things my daughter made mention to me some time ago, she said, "Daddy, you know, so one thing that you always instilling up when you see a person out on the street." that on drugs or alcoholic, don't never go and try to belittle them because you don't know why they out there. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing is, look, if you can do whatever you can do to help them, you do it. Mm. And as far as me, if I see a person out there that's hungry and I know they are hungry and I like it, I give them my last dime mm. to get them something to eat. Yeah. But now, the thing that I stress to them, Billy, look, if I give you some money to get you something to eat, and you take it and go and buy you some drugs or you buy you some alcohol or something like that, I said, don't bother ask me for no more. Yeah. And so what I learned to do, Billy, is that if a person's hungry, most of the time I keep um, those gift cards in a, like McDonald's or hmm. Or Burger King or something like that, and I let them. I said, okay, if like if I see them at Burger King or McDonald's and they tell me they're hungry and could I give them a few dollars, I said, okay, I tell you, come on, go with me. Mm. I'm going there. You, you order. If you want to get your Big Mac or some like drink mm. and stuff like that, get it. Then I know that they are mm. hungry, and I, and so um, that and you know that's the way that I've been, and so that's the way I try to you know I taught my kids, yeah. and uh, and so and. And like one time, Bill, I shared this with you too, that my kids, they used to think, they said that 
just tell the mom and dad to think more of those kids and things that the sinner than they do us. Mm. Well, you can understand how they felt. I, I mean, I probably would have felt the same way. <laughs> you know, if I'm working an eight-hour job and then got to come and work from four o'clock until nine o'clock each mm. night, and then half of the time on the weekends I with the band or either with my father. But see, the thing I had to come and um, uh, I never will forget a teacher. It was this white teacher over at um, at Bedford Hill School. Uh, my, we had a conference with the teacher, and she told me she said, "Mr. Bob," and she said, "I don't, I don't, you know, really get personal with you or anything like that about your personal business." But she said, "I just want to ask you a question because I have a problem with my my baby boy. Mm. He wouldn't learn his um, timetables, things like that." So she asked me this question. She said, "Mr. Bob," and she said, uh, "How much time do you spend with your kid?" And I told him, I said, I don't spend that much time with him. I said, uh, you know, I said, because, you know, with me working these two jobs and then I with the band, I said, you know, my wife, she practically raised him. Mm. And I said, um, you know, I provide for him, you know, a shelter, um, clothes and all like that. And so food and all that, you know. She said, well, why don't you try this? She said, start spending more time with your son and, your, and see if it make a difference. And that was one of the biggest things that ever happened. Mm. Because when I started spending time with him and, all, and others, and, I, and she told me, she said, whatever you do, she said, when you go somewhere, she said, let him relate back to you how you went there, you know, what we did when we were there and how we came back. Mm. And see if he paying attention. Mm. So what I used to do, my father-in-law had an old uh, van, a uh, Coca-Cola van. And what I did, he bought a sponge because when we used to go fishing down on the coast, rather than have to spend a night in a motel or something like that, we had a sponge, but he bought a sponge about that thick. <laughs> and he lay it in the floorboard of the, of the van. Mm. And see, we could lay back there and go to sleep. <laughs> and all like that, you know, get tired. So I used to pile them up in the van before they got uh, restriction now. And I used to take a we head for the beach. Yeah. And so what I used to do, I'd get up in the morning, Billy and I help him carry he had a paper route. I would get up and help him carry his papers. And then when like if he was going out of town on a field trip with the school, yeah. I would carry the papers for him. Yeah. And I like that. And then my daughter, my baby girl, see she stayed on honor all the time, I was on the scholars list. And see one of them one about two years different between the two. And so we both of them going to the same high school and all like that too. That um, you know, the boy just going to tease and say, Yeah, you are dummy and uh, your sister she's <laughs> smart. And so that affected him too, so he started getting his act together. And all and so um so that was that was one of the blessings that uh, you know. But then after I started doing that, but as they got older, uh, they told me, said Dad, they said, I realize now why we used to think that way. Um, I asked him this question. Have you ever went without shelter? Yeah. And he said, no. I said, have you ever went without food? He said, no. I said, have you ever went without um, clothes? And uh, they said, no. Yeah. I said, coming up, um, they told us, well, they never thought that they were poor. You know, because when you look around the building, and you see these kids that came up with them, like the parents, school teachers, or 
Mm. Some of them may have been doctors or different things like that. Mm. Some of the family probably living a horrible life than other our kids. Mm. They always, my, when my wife went out, she always bought them the best of clothes that they could that would last them for a period of time. Yeah. And I can, we always had food and stuff there. And my, uh, my baby boy, my oldest son, when he was a junior in high school, he had his own car. My baby boy, he had his car at, by the time he was a junior high in high school. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so what I would do, and a whole lot of the kids that went to school with them, their dads was uh, doctors and some of them was uh, school teachers and all, and they never mm -hmm. had. And, uh, and so I told them, I said, uh, and they found, I said, Daddy said, we're very appreciative of what you've done for us. That mm -hmm. We realize now that um, what you was trying to do is to try to prepare us for life, yeah. you know. Okay, so you've got this um, this beautiful garden that is a blessing to your neighbors. Yeah, yeah. You are known as the mayor of Tinbridge Hill, and you you led these walks, um, and you're a leader for change. What what would your mom and dad think if they could see that? Yeah, I can see them smiling now. Mm -hmm. uh, Led. At least we learned something from them, you yeah. know, and, uh, and that uh, that we um, that are trying to you know turn you know um, um, the legacy that they left for uh, you know for us coming up. Mm. I know they would be happy, yeah. you know. So that's the most important thing. Yeah. Because one thing um, uh, my father told me Billy before he died, he said he called me one time to his bedside. And he told me, he said, he, like I said, he called me, not Aubrey but he called me Aubrey hmm. He called me Aubrey he said, look, he said, of all my kids, he said, I should think more of you than I do any of them. Hmm. But he told me, he said, I don't love you no more than I love them. Hmm. And uh, he told me, you thank Because hmm. see, I was the one, I never questioned him about when we went somewhere, something about how long he stayed or whatever. I was patient with him. I would, sometime I'd be so tired, Billy, that I would go out there and, and during the time of service, I would go out there and get in the car and go to sleep. Hmm. You know, I was having, you know, my poor wife, uh, sometimes she was upset because she said, well, why can't your brother do this or do that? Well, as long as he was content, you know, with me, that was still my father. Hmm. But I know he would be happy now hmm. to know I know definitely you know that the uh, the park down there in the uh, in the uh, education center named after me. Yeah. You know. Mm. But Billy, I'm gonna tell you, man. Um, uh, you know, I said this right here. Tribbage Hill have more history mm. than any area in the inner city. And the reason I said that is because right there where the Johnson Health Center at used to be what they call a tobacco factory. A lot of people used to be employed from this area right here at the tobacco factory, mm -hmm. okay? In this area, we'll have two car dealerships, Adams Motor Company, and then years ago, they called it, was, that's really the building now named the Pyramid, and mm. uh, with the Pace building there now. Yeah. Okay, it was, the pyramid, uh, it was a company called the Pyramid. I think, to my understanding, I think it was a Buick company. Then later years, it became uh, Dickerson Buick. Okay, 
we had a service station right there where the Ram bought it. You know where the guy did those damage at, at that place right there? Yeah. Well, that used to be a, a service station right there. Okay. All right. We've had the Sportsman Club. I don't know if you heard it or not. That's what the entertainment place up on Fifth Street. Yeah. It was a great big building. We had doctor's offices there. We were the first black pharmacy in Lynchburg was right there in this area, in the Timberty Hill area. Mm. We had um, see, uh, two barber shops, three barber shops mm. in this area. We had doctor offices in the area. We had two funeral homes in this area. Mm. We had a hotel up there right up the corner of uh, uh, Martin King Boulevard and, and Jackson Street right here called the Douglas Hotel. That's where uh, the black entertainers and things like that, they would stay there when they come, when it was uh, segregated. Mm. They would stay there. We had what they call a Civil Slipper. That was a restaurant. We had two later on years of the restaurant. Then we had what they call the Teenage Canteen where the teenagers would go. It's, it's a Johnson Health building now right there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a beauty shop now. But it would be the teenage canteen. We had to see one, two, one, two, three, four churches in this area. Mm. Uh, this actually five churches in this area. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we had, um, like I said, the tobacco factory. Then we had little local uh, grocery stores. We had about one, two, three, four about five of them in this area. At the cemetery, the old Methodist Cemetery, Lynchburg General Hospital. Mm. Okay, then we had, um, um, you ever heard of the red light zone? Well, tell me about it. Okay, the red light zone is the zone where prostitution was going on. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, one of the halves is still in existence right there. They not operating, but it's still up there now. Mm. Uh, right there from 4th Street, from 4th Street up to Monroe Street. I say this Federal, this Jackson, Polk, and Monroe. Between those blocks right there, that's the, what they call the red light zone. Mm. There were white and black uh, prostitutes were there. They had all type of people coming there. Low income people, big dignitaries and all that would come right there on Friday and Saturday night. Soldiers coming, you go up there, Billy, on Friday and Saturday night, you couldn't even hardly get through there. Mm. because um, people's at these hazards, <laughs> soldiers and things like that. Yeah. And um, then, like I said, with entertainment, uh, they were at the Sportsman Club and all that. That's where the um, black entertainers and all that would come. That's where we used to play at a lot, yeah. at the Sportsman Club. That's what's in this area. Mm. Okay, then we had um, uh, the funeral home, community funeral home. We had two funeral homes in this area. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we had um, uh, <laughs> the bootleg joint. See right down there? <laughs> See right there on the corner right there? Yeah. Both of those corners right there used to be bootleg joints. On up that street right there used to be bootleg joints. Yeah. You know, people come in, you know, they, they go and buy alcohol. Yeah. You know, you know, like instead of going to the ABC store, they used to sell liquor on that corner right there and up the hill right there. Did they, they make it there? No, they didn't. Well, some of them, what they do, they would, um, when they hit the corn liquor came out, yeah. they used to, the, what the corn, the guys used to do, they used to drop it off in places. They wouldn't go directly to the house. Yeah. But what they do, they had a drop off place. 
that they would bring the corn liquor, and and then they would go to this area and pick it up. They sold corn liquor here, and then they sell sold the uh, regular liquor that you go to the to the ABC store to buy. Can I ask you about what is this big building at the end of Federal Street? It's it, I think it's a is it a nursing home or it used to be. See, it used to Tell be Lynchburg General Hospital. It was a hospital. Yeah. Okay. It used to be Lynchburg General Hospital. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to work there. I, when I was in high school, I worked there, and they had a uh, cafeteria down there. Uh huh. And so I worked in the cafeteria part oh. down there, and I uh, doing uh, my years at the high school yeah. just before I graduated from high school. And, uh, and, see, and see, then they built the building over there on Tate Street Road over there at Lynchburg yeah. General Hospital. But that was Lynchburg, that's why I said say Lynchburg General Hospital. We had a hospital here, and then we had the uh, nursing home. We had, um, it was a black and white nursing home there. They, it's not there now, it's torn down. But it used to be right there, uh, nursing home for blacks and the whites. Okay. It used to be right there on Harlan Street. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, one day you come over here, then I give you a tour and show you yeah. the different area. And then down on Hollis Mill Road, got his name from the, it used to be a mill. Where the dam is at? Yeah. You know, when you come across the bridge there and you see that dam right there? Yeah. Well, it used to be a mill right there. And so that's where Hollis Mill Road got its name from, was the, the mill. Uh, they used to have flowers, just make flowers to stay in there. Yeah. And um, something else I was telling you about the, um, uh, so what happened, Billy? Um, like I said, all that, that was a red light zone up there. Yes, yes. And you come through there on, you come through there on Friday and Saturday night. You couldn't even get through there <laughs> because of the sportsman club and the Elks. The Elks was over in the College Hill area. That's right across the street. Well, dances went on at the Elks and then it went on at the sportsman club. Plus, you had the uh, red light zone up there. And I'm talking about, man, they had um, what you call a highly sophisticated people. <laughs> things like that would be up there, man. I think a police officer one time, I think, got killed, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And um, and so all that was in the area. We had um, Kearns Bakery here, the thrift shop, thrift shop up there. It used to be a coal and um, wood yard up there when mm. people were burning coal and stuff like that, called Johnny Franklin. Mm. That used to be, that was here in the area. Mm. And, um, and like I said, the Blackwater Creek, that is in our area, part of our area. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, like I said, that's where the livelihood of the people that got the fish and stuff like that for this area here. Yeah. yeah. So I know you can't control, I know you've said you can't control what happens um, to this garden and you're just glad that it's been a blessing for however long it's been. Yeah. Um, and I look around and I see more butterflies than I've ever seen in my life. You hear mm -hmm. birds singing, you see fruit trees, you see vegetables. What are you gonna miss about well, this spot? <laughs> what I'm really gonna miss is uh, that um, the vegetables and things that this garden produced that we've been that has been beneficial to a lot of people, mm. and that's one of the main things. And then not only um, the training of the youth, yeah. you know, because this is one of the things that we gave them uh, a training here along with the uh, master gardeners and all that would you know, um, carrying him through life. Mm. Because he, you know, um, what they said, the old saying said um, that yeah. you can give a man a fish, but you could teach a man how to fish. Yeah. You know, and then you have to worry about him. And that's the thing that I try to instill into the kids. Yeah. You know, not all the time. Now, don't get so that um, 
that you never have to ask anybody to do anything for you or, or give you anything like that. Yeah. But learn how to do things for yourself. Yeah. And then rather than have to depend on somebody to give you something all the time, you have to take the initiative to do something for yourself. Yeah. You know, and when you learn how to do it for yourself, you don't have to ask nobody because if you go out there and you grow potatoes and you grow beans mm -hmm. and different things like that, now that stuff will last you through life, I mean through yeah. years and uh, corn and stuff like that. Because see now, that one of the things about it, so you can freeze it. Mm -hmm. Or see back during the time when my parents were coming along, they didn't have freezers mm -hmm. and things like that. They could freeze vegetables and all. What they do, they had to can it. Mm -hmm. And that lasts them through the winter and all that, you know. And uh, they planted enough during the spring and summer that would last them through the year. Yeah. And so this right here that you get to the point where that uh, you can't afford to buy nothing. You can go out and all, uh, for example, you can go out and buy a little package of seeds. Okay, look. See for example. Mm -hmm. You take those tomato seeds right there. You maybe got 10 seeds in that package. Mm. And think of what those 10 seeds can produce. Mm. And, uh, and so look at it, well, you ain't got to worry about it. You go and pay, go and buy um, a pack of beans that cost you, uh, let's say a pack of beans cost you $4.50. And, uh, and look how, much, how many beans that you can get from those beans that you paid $4.50 for. Yeah. And see, and when they carry that through life and all like that, then they learn that I don't have to depend on nobody. You know, sometimes you're going to have to depend on somebody to do something. But as far as you surviving yourself, that uh, you can get out and do stuff for your own self. I've heard people say that they feel like they connect with God when they're gardening when they're in a garden, when they're growing things. Do you feel that? Well, you feel that because <laughs> if you wasn't connected with God, a whole lot of times, you know, when you see stuff, is, is plentiful and stuff like that. And, and nobody but God, <laughs> you know, so you feel connected. With, I, on it, on it, I'm out here and I look at it every day and I think, and if it wasn't for God and you're connected with Him and all like that, I don't think we would have been as successful <laughs> as we've been in the garden. Yeah. Because when you look and see the stuff growing around you, now, I mean, you think about it. All those weeds right there, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. you know, and then still stuff is producing. Yeah. What is that in the name of God? Yeah. You know, and so <laughs> I think about it all the time. I, I tell my wife, uh, you know, my bishop and all like that. I said, I get a relaxation when um, I'm up here by myself sometimes. I can meditate to myself. I can uh, look at the birds and the bees, the grand hogs running around and stuff <laughs> like that. And it's enjoy it's peaceful. Yeah. Now, if you ran a whole lot of commotion all the time and all that, what would you rather do? Would you rather be here or be around there? Yeah. Are uh, you around people using vulgar language and all that stuff all the time? It's peaceful up here. Yeah. Look at like that quiet you and me and you sitting here talking and all like that. It makes a difference. Yeah. And so, you know, who is the one that makes this possible? Do you find yourself do you ever pray for your garden? Uh, yeah. I pray here and I ask the Lord to bless it. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, bless it so it'll be a blessing to somebody else. Mm. And you know, like when uh, I give stuff from the garden, I tell them, uh, this is a blessing from the Lord and Chubb, Miss King, that's the lady with her. I said, this is a blessing from the Lord uh, and uh, the Lord's and Chubb, Baba and Miss King's garden. Mm. And uh, it's a blessing. Now, you think about it. Those pear trees and how they have produced, I mean, the pear trees last year, to produce all the pals they produce. And those apple trees, like I said, um, Philly, 
I know I picked the leaves between these apple trees and see we got two on the outside of the fence. And then this tree right here, year four layers, they had apples, with so many apples on the tree building, that's outside of the fence. Mm. It was so many apples on the tree that the limbs were breaking off. <laughs> and last year, I don't think I saw one or two apples on the tree. Yeah. And that tree, those trees right there produce, I know, like I said, I know I picked at least about 10 or 11 bushes of apples off of those trees right there and wow. on the outside myself. Wow. And uh, now, if they went to good Lord, uh, and I thank the Lord every day, and it, and, and one of my prayers, ability uh, uh, to the Lord, it's not always what you can do for me, yeah. but what I can do for somebody else. Yeah. Because as I'm a blessing to somebody else, the Lord is surely going to be a blessing to me. Mm. You know, and he are blessed, because if it hadn't been for the Lord, we would never hear all of this. And, uh, and my upbringing and all that, my parents and all like that tried to instill into us that when we go out and be confronted with life and I like that, that um, you know, always, you know, take in consideration, learn to help others. Yeah. And, uh, and see, because the thing is, is that a lot of people is not as fortunate as you are. Yeah. And, uh, and so when you are a blessing to them, like I said, that the Lord surely going to be a blessing to you. Mm. And I know. And you know, like I tell the people, you know, when I go, I, I be messing with them sometimes. And they say, uh, I say, they say, well, Chuck, thank you. Thank you for the vegetables and things that you bring us. And I tell them, I say, well, if you didn't thank me, and I said, uh, that uh, you wouldn't be getting them. <laughs> and, uh, and then, really, the, the interesting thing right here, half of the stuff that I grow here, I don't even eat them myself. Really? Like radishes right here. I don't eat radishes. <laughs> I don't eat um, uh, cucumbers. I don't eat squash. I don't eat um, uh, bagel. I don't eat um, um, uh, what you call it, okra. Hmm. A lot of stuff in here that I squash and all that. I don't eat none of that. But you know, the reason I grew it because I reason I grew it. See, my wife she likes some of it, and then a lot of people in the area that I deal with they like it. Yeah. And uh, and so. What I do, I grow like a, a friend of mine and like the elder people in the area. I would grow whatever they like. And I, and I had my bishop's wife tell me one time, she said, before she died, she said, you mean to tell me, she said, all the vegetables and things that you grow into the garden like that, half of them you don't eat? I said, no, I don't eat it. <laughs> but she said, well, why do you grow that then? So I asked her a question. I said, when I bring you vegetables and things like that, I said, uh, do you like it? She said, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I said, well, if you love it and you like it, I said, then I'm satisfied. Yeah. You know, I said, <laughs> because the thing is, is that, you know, like I said, if you're a blessing to somebody else, yeah. you know, then the Lord is going to be a blessing to you. Yeah. So at, at the end of, of each interview, if I'm, if I'm talking with someone who's a person of faith, I always ask them if they'd be willing to... Uh, to say a prayer for our community, for Timbridge Hill, for our city. Is that something you're comfortable with? Can yeah, we pray? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Our Father and our God, first in the precious name of Jesus, Lord. First, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this day, because mm -hmm. this is a day that you have made, and let us rejoice and, and be glad in the Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you for having the opportunity, first of all, to talk to Billy today, Lord. 
I want to thank you, Lord, for enabling me to give me the health and strength, Lord, mm. to work in this garden, Lord, that through this garden, Lord, it may be beneficial to others less than me, Lord. Because, Lord, I know that without you, Lord, we are nothing. But with you, Lord, we can do all things through you who strengthen us, Lord. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, continue to give me the strength and the opportunity, Lord, to do what I can do as long as I'm here on this earth, Lord. And thank you again, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for having the opportunity, Lord, to talk with Billy today, Lord. And Lord, I hope you'll continue to give him strength, Lord. And I really thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Big thank you to Mr. Barber for sharing his story and for letting me come join him in his garden. This beautiful little place in the world he's tended and stewarded for so many years. My hope is that as long as it's a garden, that the harvest will be plentiful and he will be able to continue blessing his neighbors with fresh produce grown right in their own neighborhood. May we all find a way to make a deep and lasting impact on our neighborhood, just as Mr. Barber has had on his. See you next time.